Good morning, church. I'm recovering from a cold, so if you hear my voice sounding like Barry White's voice, my wife was very happy with that voice, so I hope you will, you will accept my voice this morning. And um, I am so thrilled by what God is doing through the worship. I don't know if you could just feel God was doing something through the worship. And as we press on and go deep, we believe that God is working in our hearts as we worship Him. Amen. So you don't want to miss the a worship night. Uh, every first Thursday of the month, we have our fasting, our prayer, uh, and also worship night. So we come together to just linger longer in the presence of God, and God is always at work. Amen. Last week, we had an ordination for lay pastors, and it was a great time of celebration, preparing ourselves for what God wants to do in and through us in the city of Joburg. So we're looking forward to how God is going to continue to use us in the city Joburg. I want to highlight one more thing uh, that's coming up when we have our Grow Weekend. It is the pre-dedication class. So this pre-dedication class on the 7th and 8th of September, it is actually it's only on the 8th, Saturday. It is for those who will be dedicating their children uh, the following day, right? So you need to come to this class uh, to get some more training on how to raise your children in a godly way and why we do dedications. So friends, today we start a sermon series called Rooted, being rooted in the foundations of Jesus Christ, being rooted in the foundations of our walk as Christians. As you see, it's written there, immovable foundations in a changing world. And today specifically, I want to speak about why foundations and why foundations are important. I can tell you this, that foundations are invisible, but they're the most critical and important part of a building. Even though we don't see them, they are very, very important. We're sitting in this building here. We may not know what went under here for this building to still be standing, but we know that those foundations are important to keep this building standing. I'm so happy that uh, Rogers Chauke is here. I studied with him engineering, and uh, he, he's got a construction company. So anything that I say about foundations, Chauke, you can correct it later. Yeah, yeah, tell me between the services, then we can correct it later. The reason I say that is when I grew up in Pochestrum, Ikacheng, we had a two-roomed house. So some people say, no, 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 two-bedroom. No, it was two-roomed house. Two-roomed house. It was my parents' bedroom. It was the kitchen. And the kitchen was the kitchen during the day. By night, it was my bedroom. So my, my parents uh, got a bit of money, they started saving to extend the house, and uh, in the process of extending the house, I remember my dad going to buy some material uh, to build a house, and my dad hired one builder. So you can only imagine now who's going to be everyone else who's going to do the, the rest of the work. Myself and my friends who lived in the same street as I, we were the cheap labor. We had to dig for the foundations. I'll never forget that. I probably was 9, 10, 11, somewhere around there, but we got the job done. We were digging. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel proud every time I see my home. Whenever I go home, I'm like, I, I laid the foundation. Look at this house. It's still standing. I laid the foundation. And fast forward, um, as we were digging and digging, I, I realized that when we were about to pour in the concrete, that 
the builder who was just instructing us on what we should do, he was paid just to give us instructions. We were the Huntlangers. You remember Huntlangers? He was very precise and careful on how we should lay the foundations. The second thing that was so amazing with what he said was, once we put on the concrete, we need to let it set for a few weeks before we can lay the bricks on. There was another thing that he said. He says, we need to keep pouring water on this foundation so that we can be able to close any air gaps that might be inside this foundation. If you don't do that, there's going to be cracks on the foundation and your house will not, stop, will not stand. Now, that picture stayed with me. It was only later when I studied engineering, I understood that that process is called a curing process. You pour water to make sure that the foundation is cured, is strong enough to be able to handle the weight that's going to be on it. So now we have to think about our spiritual foundations, that if our foundations are not strong enough, we will not be able to carry the things that God wants us to carry. We need to be able to make sure that when we get discipled or discipling other people, we lay a strong foundation. A strong foundation. We don't leave any air gap or any gap, because if we leave a gap, it might create a crack, and they may not be able to stand. I have a few questions for you that I want to start this sermon with. Why do we have Christians struggling to stand strong during the times of storms? Why do we have some well-known Christian leaders falling along the way or finding themselves on shaky ground? Why is the divorce rate so high in the church just as it is in the world today? It shouldn't be. I believe if our foundations were strong enough, it shouldn't be. Why do believers struggle to live a victorious life? I believe it's because of shaky foundations. Our text today is from 2 Peter. You can open with me or you can read from the screen. 2 Peter chapter 1. As you open there, I want to remind you a song we used to sing at Kids Church. A wise man built his house on the rock and a foolish man will build his house on sand. It means that when we disciple people, make sure that we disciple them towards Christ, not towards ourselves. And the text that we're going to read is going to speak more around the building, what we see outside of a Christian who has strong foundations. And now, in the end, we're going to look at how do you build those strong foundations. So let's read 2 Peter chapter 1. Simeon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, love this one. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith, supplement your faith with virtue 
and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. When we read this text, we realize that uh, Peter was writing to the churches in Asia, and at the time, he noticed that they have faith, but there was something that was lacking in their faith. I also noticed that when Peter was writing this letter, he was actually in prison during the time of Nero. So he was not missing his words when he was writing to these people. He's saying, great, you have your faith, but your faith is lacking some of these very important qualities that can help you to make it the long way. You need these qualities to be able to stand strong for what God has for you. So he's speaking as someone who's about to be executed, and he's saying, guys, if there's one thing I don't want you to forget is you need these qualities. You need these qualities to keep you going as children of God. He was also addressing false teachers and false prophets who were trying to exercise pressure on the church to move away from the truth. I like the fact that the theme of this letter to the churches in Asia is that the grace of God in Christ can truly transform and empower us to live a righteous life. The grace of God can empower us. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, May the grace and peace be multiplied. The same multiplication that Jen was speaking about now. He says, Let the grace and peace of God be multiplied so that you, in the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ, may be able to stand. I like the fact that verse 3 says, His, div- His divine power has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. His divine power has given us all things. His divine nature has given us everything that we need. So actually, we should not be lacking anything. We should not have lack of anything because the Bible says His divine power has given us all things pertaining to life godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. I want to bring your attention to that last phrase, he's called us to his own glory and excellence. So what it means is we've been called to God's glory. We've been called to be carriers of God's glory. We've been called to live a life of excellence. We've been called to live a life that pleases God and that glorifies God. It means that the standard that we need to be living by is a very high standard. And just when you think that I don't have what it takes, the grace of God is deep enough to take us to that standard. The grace of God is deep enough to take us to that standard that God is calling us to. I want to bring your attention to this phrase that says His divine power. It means His divine power is that grace that we need to live to the standard that God has for us. God's standard is high, yet His grace is deep enough to carry us up. Why I say that His divine power is His grace, read Titus 2, verse 10 and 11. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people, to all mankind. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. 
and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I like the scripture. The reason I love the scripture is um, I feel like in the body of Christ today, we have misused grace. We have also misunderstood what the grace of God is. The grace of God, if it is that divine power that enables us to live a godly life, it means the grace of God is there before you sin. Most of us, we think, okay, I've sinned. I can run back to God. I've got the grace of God to help me. But I want to submit to you today that the same grace was there to help you to escape that sin. The grace of God was there to, because it's divine power, it's divine nature, it's inside of us to help us to stand strong. So, so I'm showing you that for us as Christians, if we are to live to the standard, we have to have a different understanding of grace. Yes, if we fall, the grace of God is there to restore us, but let's not just think of grace being after the effect. When we disciple people and lay foundation, the kind of foundation we need to lay is guy or girl, the grace of God is there all the time with you. His divine power, His divine nature is there with you all the time. It is there with you all the time. That's why I want to submit this to you. A new life in Christ is grounded and rooted in God's divine power. That is His grace that comes through knowing Christ. That is the grace that comes through knowing Christ. I guess another way of explaining it to us as disciples of Christ is what Apostle Paul says in uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. He goes like, my dear children, I go again through the pains of childbirth so that Christ is formed in you. You know, that scripture always torments me because I have no clue how the pains of childbirth Ah, okay. I just remember with our first child, and uh, I was reading this book, What to Expect When You're Expecting. And uh, Lindy's there in pain, and I'm reading like this book. She grabs the book and she throws me the book. I'm in pain. <laughs> I never forget that picture. You know, like, I'm like, okay, what do we do now? You know, the doctor says we might have to do Caesar. Th- that pain I cannot comprehend, but why would Paul? choose to use that word and say, the kind of pain that I'm suffering for Christ to be formed in you is the pain of childbirth, speaking as if he's experienced this pain. For me, it says that Paul realizes how much we need Christ to be formed in us, how much we need this divine power, because it is only when we understand that Christ should be formed in us, that this divine power will take root in our lives. It is only when we understand that Christ is formed in us, Christ, who is the life that we ought to live, is in us, and He is the incarnate God in us, we can live with this divine power. I labor, same pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So now this takes us to these qualities that are listed in Second Peter that we've read about. Now these qualities are not a legalistic code. 
These qualities are meant to say, if I'm a Christian, this is the kind of standard that God wants me to live with. It's not to say that, no, 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 no. The pastor is giving us a list of rules of how we should live. Scripture is giving us how we should live, but the grace of God is there to show us, to help us, to enable us, to empower us to live to that standard. And the reason I want to go through these qualities one by one this morning is I find that as Christians, we, we tend to be like the world. We should be different from the world. And I believe that if our foundations were strong enough, we will not be like the world. Why would Peter say, make every effort to add to your faith? He's acknowledging that you have faith. We all have faith. We believe in God. We come to church. We worship. We give our tithes and offerings. I hope we do all these good things. But he says, add virtue. What is virtue? Behavior showing high moral standards. Living in a way that pleases God. I mean, why would he say that? I believe the reason he says that is the quality of being good and moral excellence. I'm sure you have heard people say, he's a good person. Shame. Shame, shame, shame. He's a good person. I'm sure you've also heard the Kosa says, nyan, nyan. And the sutras will say, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, being good, the quality of being good is not just for our own sake, but it's so that our lives can glorify God. People can look at our lives and say, he's a good person. What makes them so good? We become attractional Christians. It's, he says, Ed, to this virtue, the quality of moral excellence, knowledge. Knowledge in Greek in this text is epignosis, which means to be precise or correct knowledge of something. But I want to submit to you that knowledge in and of itself, it's not enough. How many Christians have got the knowledge of Scripture? How many have even memorized Scriptures, but when they face temptations, they don't know how to apply the very same Scriptures that they've memorized? So my challenge to you today is, it is not enough to have the tick box of, I've read my Bible, I've prayed, I've gone to church. I need to be different from the world. That knowledge must help me to live up to God's standard. It's not enough to be a Bible scholar, but your life is completely away from these qualities. Add to faith, virtue. Add to virtue, knowledge. Add to knowledge, self-control. Guys, if these things were not in the Bible, we wouldn't need to preach about them. They're in the Bible. The ability to control one's emotions and desires, especially in difficult situations. Lately, it's called emotional quotient or emotional intelligence, your EQ. I call it a gift of restraint. The reason I call it a gift of restraint is that if someone in the workplace, your colleague, your client, whatever, chooses to be rude or offensive, it doesn't mean that you have to stoop down. It doesn't mean that now you have to go to their level. It means you can restrain yourself and speak, and speak your mind, but without being rude and, and, and offensive. You can. You can still be able to speak what's in your heart without being like them. Self-control. That's how Christians should be. 
perseverance, persistently doing something despite difficulty. I like what Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the same direction. It's like, I've been doing this for the rest of my Christian life. Why should I continue to do this? It is because it pays. It pays in the long run. I guess if I were to make this practical, I was just looking back in my Christian walk with Christ and on this aspect of perseverance, like I've been a Christian for 28 years and in my walk with God, what has kept me is long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the same direction. Having the fear of God when temptations come. Knowing that the more I obey, the more I please my God. Godliness. Devotion to God. Going th- Just recently, my family and I, we're going through the Ten Commandments, and uh, we're trying to memorize them, but not for the sake of memorizing. We were going for this one commandment that says, do not make for yourself an image of anything on earth. And we were talking about idols, how we move away from godly devotions because of the things that wants to replace God. Idol worship is the images, the things that wants to replace God in our lives. And as we were going through the list and we let them give the list and they were mentioning all the things that we make idols before God. They mentioned cars, houses, TV, clothes, golf clubs, but they did not mention the cell phone. And I said, whoa. (laughs) Great list, but why not the phone? Because we can also idolize the phone. I don't know if you've noticed, I've been watching myself, is if my phone is off, I feel like something is wrong. I want to have the phone next to me all the time. And there was a time when we didn't have cell phones and life was okay. And now we like, no, 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 no. We should feel that way about God when we are far from God and say, man, I need God in my life. I don't need my cell phone. I need God in my life. Right now, we can't live without the cell phone. It's like something is missing when it's not there. We don't realize modern day idolatry, brotherly affection or kindness, a gentle feeling of fallenness or liking, being kind to one another and going the extra mile for each other. One of the things that I really feel God is challenging us to do with brotherly kindness and affection is uh, I want us to practically start loving on our car guards. The guys who come to church, normally they work in the morning and then they come to the evening service. We're trusting God to have a training center for them. Just this morning when we were praying in the pre-service prayer, I was really blown away by that prayer that we don't want them to just come here, work on a Sunday morning and go back to their lives. We want to help them become all that God has called them to be. That is brotherly kindness. That is brotherly kindness. We trust in God that we can be able to see them get off the street. That is part of transforming the city. We want to see them getting off the street. So today, when you leave the church, please be kind to the Kagas. Take time to even pray for them and bless them. Finally, love, an intense feeling of deep affection, loving God's way, a sacrificial kind of love. I want to end with this. Verse 8. 
if we possess these qualities in an increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you possess these qualities, you will be more productive and useful. We need these qualities, as I've said, they are the outside part of the building, but we will not have these qualities if our foundations are not strong enough. Uh, look at verse 9. If you don't have these qualities, you'll be nearsighted and blind, forgetting you have been cleansed from your past sins. Therefore, brothers, be more diligent to confirm your calling and election. How do we confirm our calling and election? If you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Those are strong words right there. If you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Trying to answer the questions we started with. If we don't want to fall on this long route of obedience, practice these qualities. The word practice means repeatedly doing something without giving up. Repeatedly doing something, long obedience in the same direction. I don't know how many of you remember Karate Kid movies. The first one, I've got a, I've got a witness over there. The second one, Karate Kid 2, Mr. Han is teaching uh, Chao Dre some moves. She's teaching him Kung Fu. Where I grew up, we say Kung Fu. And there comes a time when Chao Dre visits, uh, Mr. Han visits uh, Chao Dre's house, and Chao Dre was raised by a single mother, and realizes that when he arrives home, he just takes the jacket and throws it on the floor because of whatever attitude he had. And Mr. Han calls Chao Dre as part of their, of their practice, it says, take off your jacket and put it down. He gets him to take it, put it on, and put it down. Take it, put it on, and put it down. And he says, take it, hang it up, put it off, and put it down. Take it, hang it up, put it off, and put it down. Repeatedly. And he gets to this guy. He's like, come on now. I didn't come here for this. I get it. You want me to hang my jacket. I get it. I'm out of here. And then Mr. Han calls him and says, come here, Chaudhry. And he starts challenging him. And as he challenges him, you can see in my other life, I used to do come. Each knee sansi. And this guy is surprised that he's able to block Mr. Han. And Mr. Han is showing him that your hands have become stronger because you've been repeating this thing over and over again. Spiritual disciplines tends to do that for us. We practice our muscles to a place where we get stronger to face the battles that we ought to face in life. If you keep on just being in the Word, being in prayer, discipling other people, you're going to build strong muscles. When the enemy comes in like the flood, the Lord will raise a standard. The Lord will raise a standard. The Lord will raise a standard because you have chosen to stay in the Word, long obedience in the same direction. You've chosen to build strong foundations even to those that you disciple. Long obedience in the same direction. In every nation, 
we have these four E's that we talk about that help us to disciple people and lay strong foundations. I've asked Pastor Roger to take us through these foundations to understand how we build strong foundations in the lives of young Christians. Thanks, sir. I'm not going to show you my karate moves. But next week, come next week. Either you are being raised as a disciple, you're in the process of coming to maturity. So either you're that, or you are making a disciple. As a Christian, it's one, or the, it's one of the two. Either you are saying, I need to, to be established and I need to be equipped. I need to grow up in the, in the faith. Yeah. Or you're saying, I've got it. And if you've got it, you know what you should be doing? You should be making disciples. So either you're on the journey of, of growing in your foundations, of being equipped, being established, or you in turn have people in your life that you're reaching out, that you're engaging, that you're equipping, that you're establishing, and you're empowering. There's really no other choice for us as Christians. And sometimes we're doing a bit of both, but never are we not doing either one of these. But two years ago, a young man came into my life, and uh, when I first saw him, I was like one of those like least likely to follow the Lord. You know, sometimes you you incorrectly judge by the outward. And um, over over the course of the last two years, I've had the joy of seeing him get married. And about three weeks ago, it was a cold cold Sunday afternoon, and it was an inconvenient time, had a super busy weekend, um, we agreed we were going to baptize him in water. And uh, he came with these tattoos and, you know, rings through every orifice, and, and, and listen, if you've got rings and tattoos, that's awesome. Reach out to people who aren't like you. And if you don't have rings, reach out to those people who aren't like you. So he came, his wife came, and mother-in-law came. And just God so moved powerfully upon them. They got water baptized afterwards. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And prayed for him and he started to speak in tongues. This is the journey that we're called to be on. We're called to grow up in our foundations. And once we've grown up, we are called to engage. We're called to establish. We're called to equip, empower. If you're not familiar with these, we've got a foundations class. Every Sunday morning at 10 every Sunday afternoon at four o'clock. We've got victory training coming up with just such a powerful intervention. It's kind of like triage, dealing with like 80% of the maladies that people have in terms of sexual brokenness, in terms of unforgiveness, etc. We've got equipped training, which is about your, your spiritual disciplines. And we've got making disciples, which we just ran yesterday. We've simplified what we believe are the essences of Christianity into what we describe as a growth path. We've got lots of great courses. Hearing God's voice, fantastic. Starting strong, fantastic. But this is where it begins. Going through the one-to-one, getting the basics inside of you, going through victory training, going through equip training. As, as we conclude, you may not be familiar with this, but have the humility to recognize that sometimes there's stuff in your life that isn't fully there. So I'm just gonna pray. Father, we are called to be disciples, and we're called to make disciples. 
And I pray for each of us, Lord God, that you would speak to us. Where there's stuff in our lives that isn't deeply established, Lord God, just reveal it in your kindness and in your love and in your mercy. And where, Lord God, you have established us, Lord God, cause us to selflessly reach out to others, to win the lost and to make disciples. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.